Oh, you guys ready? It's good service already, right? I mean, like we could just go home. We're full, right? It's good. Ah, God's good. So for six months, right, we've, uh, I just, I've shared this many times over and over again because God just keeps like impressing it on me. But for six months now, I just feel like the Lord is continuing for whatever reason, his good and pleasing reason, <laughs> uh, to bless us as a church in, in unusual ways and in ways that we haven't experienced in the past, right? And, and, and this, uh, he's, he's, he's pouring out his spirit in different ways and, and where we're experiencing, uh, you know, conversions, people coming to Christ, we're experiencing healing, we're experiencing deliverances, we're, we're experiencing empowerment, we're experiencing him speaking more clearly and loudly to our hearts and to our minds. He's, he's, he's drawing us into prayer, he's drawing us into worship, he's drawing us as a body together more and more. Do you see it? Am I the only one? I hope not. Do you see it? It's amazing to me what he's doing because, you know, I want to say this too. Like, you know, this is not because, you know, we're such a holy church. (laughs) It's not because your pastor is such just an amazing guy. He's pretty great. Don't get me wrong, but (laughs) it's not because of his amazing faith. Honestly, it's the will of the Lord. As we've talked through Acts, you know, the disciples and what they experienced, it wasn't, you know, because they had finally reached this pinnacle of faith and holiness, and then the Holy Spirit was poured out. We know about the disciples. We know about their struggles. We've seen even some of it as we've gone through Acts. We'll see more <laughs> of their sinfulness and of their, you know, just their manhood, right? Their, their womanhood. Their, the, the, the fact that they're just not, you know, these, these, these uh, perfect human beings. Yet, God chose to pour out a spirit. God chose that season to do something amazing and beautiful and powerful. And that's my sense of what he's doing and beginning to do and is going to do in our church. I don't know if it does it anywhere else in the world. I've heard other churches and other pastors that are sensing similar things or have similar experiences, but you know what? I don't have much to do with that. And I'm the pastor of this church. And so my call is to listen to his words for us, to listen to what he's calling us to do as a church, to follow his lead and to reveal to me what I need to preach each Sunday to this church to encourage you and to draw you to follow him wherever he leads. And so for whatever reason, God has chosen this little church out on 299 East to pour out his spirit in a new and different way, in a way that's profound and beautiful and powerful and we've just tasted just a little corner of it there's more coming and as that comes i i feel like the lord wants us to prepare he wants us to prepare for the harvest that's coming
John 4, verses 35. Actually, I think I have a slide on this as well. Yep, you're on it. Good job. Jesus says, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Can you lift up your eyes and can you see the ripe harvest? Can you see it? Not just me, but can you see it? And don't get me wrong, I don't feel like I see the full extent of it yet. I feel like I'm just starting to see maybe the edge of it. Can you see it? Are your eyes open to it? Or are we too focused on the tensions and the divisions of this world? Our world wants to distract us. Our enemy wants us to be distracted. It wants us to be raging. It wants us to be in fear. It wants us to be divided. It wants us to be constantly looking at the things of this world. He's trying to distract us. Do you see the harvest? It's amazing in times like this that we're living in right now. The the world around us, there's so much chaos, so much tension. We're thinking about Russia, right? But not just in Russia, in our own country, but then China and then Taiwan and then all these other things. I mean, there's so much going on in the world. And it all seems to be like wars and rumors of wars, amen? And like, what is going on? What's going to happen? It's all coming down. It's all going to crash. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be bad. But can you see the harvest? It's ready. We have to be able to see the conversions that are beginning to happen around us, the rumblings of the movement of the Spirit, the baptisms, the deliverances, the healings, the empowerments, the evangelism that's coming. Can you see it? Do you see the beginning signs that the harvest is ripe and is about to be brought in? He's doing a new thing in our world today. Not because we're great, not because we're holy, not because we're just so great and holy and filled with faith now. That he's finally, finally, the church has gotten to the point, gotten to the pinnacle. Now I can pour out my Holy Spirit. He is the one who makes the bride perfect. He's the one, right? He's the one who pours out his spirit in his time for his purposes for his will to be done. He's doing a new thing. It's a new revival. It's a new movement. In John 15, I think it's verse 8. I think we have that one as well. But this, my Father, is glorified. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Are you bearing fruit? 
We can, we, maybe for too long as Christians, some of us have just felt like, you know, salvation is just for me. As long as I'm saved, I'm in, I'm good, we're okay. Talked about this a little bit last week. Salvation is not just for me. It's not just a personal religion. It's not something we just can't hang on to by ourselves. It's something that's meant to transform the world. Transform others. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be out there for all to hear. We will glorify the Father if we bear fruit. And what is the fruit we are bearing? We are, bringing, we are, we are drawing others into the kingdom of God. It's new souls. It's new brothers and sisters in Christ. And we do that not under our own power, but under the Spirit's power. This is the point of the Spirit being poured out in such powerful and abundant ways in the first century church in Acts. It wasn't so the disciples can go around and look what I can do. This is really cool. Watch this. I'm just going to like, just kind of like breathe on this person over there. They're going to come to oh, It's going to be amazing. Oh my gosh, right? I mean, look at that. Isn't that a cool, right? No, it's not. Just so that we have cool signs and wonders. It's not so we can go, oh, wow, I just feel like really holy now because the Holy Spirit, look what he's doing in me and through me. No, the Holy Spirit is always poured out to build his church. And so as we see these signs that the Holy Spirit is being poured out in new, in new ways and bringing new revival, that we need to recognize the purpose of that is not so that we feel really close to Jesus. It's so that we can take the gospel to the, to the planet, to the earth, to, the, to, to our neighborhoods, to, to our cities, to our countries and nations around the world. Because the gospel is for all people, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. What's the power for? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Every tribe and every tongue, that is where the gospel is to spread. That is where we are to share the love of Jesus. That is where we are to share the gospel. But it's not just all people. I want to make this point because I've got a lot more to say about this this, this morning but it's for all generations. It's not just for old people. It's not just for adults. It's not just for those that have, you know, kind of matured to a certain level. It's for all people, all generations, for our teenagers, for our children. Yes, for our adults as well. And all walks of life, all generations are meant to come into his kingdom. Matter of fact, for some reason, Jesus chose to emphasize this point about the kingdom. Matthew 18, verses 1 to 6. Actually, I think it's 3 to 6 is what I have on the board. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. What a great warning, but also what a great encouragement. Not just to our teenagers that the gospel message is for you, but to the rest of us to recognize the gospel message is for them as well. We all 
all generations are called to a kingdom. But understand this, we are also all called to harvest. All, all of us are called and equipped by the Holy Spirit to be able to share the gospel message to bring in the harvest. All of us, all people, all generations. Again, young people, teenagers, please don't miss this. That this is for you too. That the gospel message doesn't just get spread through the adults to you. When you have it, it is, comes from you to the world. The Holy Spirit will empower you. He indwells you and gives you what you need so that you can speak it to your peers, but also to adults. Also to those of us that you go, oh man, that guy, they should have known this a long time ago, but they don't because you know and because you have the Holy Spirit to speak those words. Amen. We are a multi-generational church on purpose. God has made us that way, just naturally. But I am committed because he continues to call me to be committed to maintaining that multi-generational church. We cannot begin to look down on the young in our community. We need to continue to elevate them and empower them to do ministry in our church and outside of our church, to evangelize alongside of us, to pray alongside of us, to worship alongside of us. And teenagers, you have to choose to join us, even though we're old fogies and we do things backwards than you, that you would choose to join us and to allow us to learn from you, to understand what, you have, what the Spirit has revealed to you. Because we need you. We need all of us to come together. It is when the body of Christ is using all of its parts and all of the parts are functioning in their role that we are healthy, that we can do fully what the work of the Lord that he has for us. Amen. Can you see the harvest? I hope you can. Because if you don't, if you can't see the harvest, then maybe this next session, section about preparing for the harvest is going to be kind of pointless. Why prepare for a harvest if you haven't planted any seeds? Right? Prepare for a harvest if it's like, yeah, there's no harvest out there. I don't see any fruit. So I hope you can see, and that maybe that's my first prayer for, for many of you, maybe some of you in this, in this room or are listening online. You don't see the fruit. All you see is the division. All you see is the chaos. All you see is the, 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 the pain and the suffering and the wars that are happening around the world. Maybe that's all you can see. And if that's you, then my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would come upon you and then give you eyes to see what he's doing in the spirit realm, what he's doing in the, in the kingdom of God. Because we need to know and understand that there's a harvest coming. Because when we see that, then we're motivated to prepare for that harvest. And how do we prepare? Before we get there, I want to read this. <laughs> the Lord brought this, um, this parable, and it's, uh, it's a painful par parable in some sense. But it's sweet. It's a sweet, it's a sweet parable as well. So uh, Luke 14, 16 and following. I don't have this one on the board, sorry. And Jesus says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Verse said to him, I, I have bought a field and I, I must go out and, and see it. Please have me excused. 
And another said, I have bought five oxen, and, I, and I've got to examine them, so please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir... What you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the neighbor, uh, the highways and the hedges and, co- and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. We are called to be prepared for the harvest. As the Lord begins to do this work in his church, some of us may refuse to come. Some of us will refuse to prepare for the harvest. Some of us will not be able to get our eyes off of the things of this world. And this is the hard part of this. I know, you know, Jesus was speaking this to the Jews, right? So, you know, I'm making a leap here. I'm making an interpretive leap. Jesus shares the story to say, hey, you know, the, you know, the Jews, you know, this was for you. You guys were the ones invited and you came. But then when he called and Jesus shows up, he says, all right, it's time for the banquet. And they go, nah, nah, nah I got other things I got to do. So that's what this is originally. But, but I, I'm applying it to us today. That we're seeing the Holy Spirit begin to move. Jesus is here. He's beginning to do things. Are you ready? Do you see what's happening? Or are you distracted? The distractions can be sometimes the, the, the chaos in the world, the wars in our world, the, the divisions in our world, but it also can be sometimes the sweet nectar of the world. Distracted by, you know, our work, <laughs> business. And we all, I'm not saying we all go quit our jobs. Not, no, we, we, we have to work. Some, many of us do, right? I mean, that's part of, you know, our life. But we're distracted by that. Our lives are all about that. That takes precedence over everything else. That's the thing that, you know, that's the most important, that's the highest priority in our life is working. We're distracted. I don't have time to go to the church. I don't have time to to be prepared for the harvest. I'm busy. I got things going on. Some of us are distracted by entertainment. Yeah, we work maybe, or maybe we're done working. We've done our work years, right? And now we're kind of enjoying some slower paces, right? And we just, you know, I just love doing this, or I just love hanging out, and I love all the great shows they have. I love going to movies. I I love doing all the things that this world has to offer. I, I love to explore. I love to travel. I love to go all over the place. I don't have time to go prepare at the church. I'm gonna, I got other things doing right now. These other fun stuff that I'm a part of. It's not that we can't do any of those things. It's not that entertainment in itself is bad, but when it takes the priority of our life, it becomes a distraction. Others of us, actually, it's, we're distracted by religion. We've been checking off the religious box for a long time. And it's actually worked pretty well in America for a long time. You know, yeah, I go to church on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tithe or pretty close to tithe, you know. And yeah, 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 I do some prayers on occasion, especially when things are going rough or whatever. And, you know, whatever. I, yeah, we, we have this list that we begin to check off, and it's just a, a, a religious practice that we're doing. Some of us are distracted by that. 
Like, oh, no, God doesn't, you know, I, I, my life is really, I got a good rhythm going right now. I feel really good. I mean, I just feel like things are great right now. And I, you know, God, he loves me. And yeah, I'm not perfect, but you know, it's okay, right? We're distracted by just our religious routine. But I think the number one thing we need to do to prepare is to worship. Who's Lord in your life? Who are you worshiping? We need to worship God. We need Him. He's got to be number one. He's got to be the highest priority. He's got to be the one that gets our attention. He's the one that we're trying to think about all day. Yeah, I've got to work or yeah, occasionally I have entertainment stuff that I'm a part of, but he's the one that's always on my mind in the midst of watching that entertainment when something comes up like, oh, that's not right. That's not Bible. That's not good. I need to let go of that. Uh, or if I'm at work and there's some problems coming at me, there's bad things. I mean, Jesus, I need you. I need your help right now. Help me to handle this situation. That Jesus is the one. He's the one that we're always seeking to please. He's the one we're always seeking to hear from. He's the one that we are worshiping. Now I have a word for the youth in this as well. Our culture is working very hard to tell you that it is more valuable than Jesus. And it is working very hard to distract you with all kinds of entertainment, with all kinds of chaos in this world, with all kinds of things, like all kinds of stuff, all kinds of debatable topics. He's trying to distract you. He's trying to keep your eyes off of Jesus. And our culture is also doing this. They're telling you that you can be a kid until you're 40 or 50 or 60. That, you know, no one's going to expect anything from you. It's okay. You're just a kid. Just, you know, it's all right. Just, you know, continue to be a kid. Now, I love being a kid. <laughs> but God is calling you to maturity. He's calling you to be men and women. Not tomorrow. Not someday in the future. Not 20 years from now. But today, as teenagers... The disciples, many of them were teenagers when Jesus called them. Are you ready to follow Jesus? Peter, walking on the water, right? I mean, are you ready to do the miracles that the disciples did? Are you ready? You're old enough. Scripture, it happened. Teenagers were doing this stuff. Are you ready? Do not listen to the culture that tells you to wait for tomorrow. Continue to have your, your, your fun as a kid. Someday you can be, you know, really plugged into Jesus. Someday you can really do that Christian Jesus thing. No, it starts today. You have not been given some tiny little Holy Spirit that is lesser than the rest of us. If you know Jesus and you've claimed him as your Lord and Savior, then you have a full baptism of the Holy Spirit and he can empower you to do anything that he wants at any time, starting right now. So do not let the world deceive you. Do not let it distract you. Rise up and be men and women of God. Doesn't mean you can't have fun. Doesn't mean you can't laugh at the pastor still. You can. The next thing we do in, in preparation is pray. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. I believe I have this on the screen. 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And preparation for the harvest is the preparations for war as well. Ephesians 6 also talks about the weapons of war, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the dark principalities, the evil principalities of this world. And so prayer is where we fight that battle. We have to prepare and to, to, for the fight. So we know who we're fighting against, and it's not against human beings. It's not against our enemies. It's not against, you know, certain uh, leaders, certain presidents, certain politicians. It's not against certain countries. It's against the evil one. So we have to battle, and the way we do battle is by prayer. I have been feeling for several weeks now the Lord calling me and I think calling our church to begin prayer walking. I don't know if you know what prayer walking is. Um, I'll simplify it and just basically it means you walk. (laughs) And pray. Um, And so to... To, in some sense, to kick this off as a church, because I, I want to call all of you to begin doing this. I want you to start prayer walking your neighborhoods. I want you to start prayer walking your parks. I want you to start prayer walking your house if you need to, your, your, your kids' houses, right? I mean, your, your friends' houses. You can do it kind of incognito, like, hey, guys, this is really great. I love your house. This is a really nice room. I love you know, right? I mean, you can just kind of make it happen, right? And they don't even know what's going on, right? We need to start prayer walking all over our areas around here, like everywhere. And we're going to start this uh, on Tuesday. Now, I know there's others that are already doing this, right? And I praise the Lord for those who have been, because you've been, I think, sensing the same thing. But on Tuesday night, we're going we're gonna to meet here at 530. Now, some of you can't make it at that time, and that's fine. You've got plans, whatever. That's fine. No pressure. But if you're free, or if you can clear up that calendar on Tuesday at 530, Come join us as we prayer walk this 30 acres. And and it's been done before. That doesn't mean you don't do it again. And so we're going to do it again. But I also want this time to be a time, actually a little bit of training maybe. If you've never done it, here's your time to come and see it done, right? And there's many in our church that have done it. And there's many in our prayer team that have done it before. And so we're going to break into kind of groups. We're going to walk through all of our buildings. We're going to have oil. We're going to be anointing the doors. We're going to be anointing buildings. We're going to be anointing parking lots. We're going to be anointing prayer walks. We're going to be doing it all, or prayer trails. Uh, We're going to do it all. We're going to be just praying and asking that the Holy Spirit would come and fall on this place, right? That he would anoint it again with his Holy Spirit and that he would have his way here, that this place is set aside for his glory and his glory alone. And that anybody who walks on this campus, that they would sense the Holy Spirit, they would be overwhelmed with peace and they'd go, there's something different here. And this is the same thing we pray in our neighborhoods, that we would be doing battle in the spiritual realm, right? As we walk through our neighbors and we pray over homes as we walk by them and say, Lord, come and have your way in this place. Lord, bring your Holy Spirit, come break down any dominion that's here that is not of you, Lord. And that we would walk through and just pray as the Lord leads and see what happens because Fighting the battle always starts with prayer. Preparing for the harvest starts with prayer. And youth, for you too, join us on Tuesday night 
But don't just join us here. Pray for, pray for your neighborhoods. Pray for your schools. Pray over social media and the friends that you have on social media, the groups that you're a part of. Like, pray over those. Begin to pray the Holy Spirit to come in and to anoint those areas that he would begin to do great works in those spaces. This is where it begins. So I encourage you to join us in this. The reality of both worship and prayer, and the next two things I'll list here in a minute, is that all of these things are meant to be done individually and corporately. Talking about worship, are you worshiping corporately? Well, you come to church on Sunday, right? That's good. Is there other times through the week? Maybe you have a connection group that you're part of. Are you worshiping corporately, but also are you worshiping individually in your homes? Do you ever turn on the music, worship music, or is it always, you know, 80s soft rock? Right? But prayer as well. Are we, we're praying together corporately. Let's do this together. If you want a friend to walk, per walk your neighborhood, please invite them. Like say, hey, can you come with me? I'm going to walk my neighborhood, and then we can go to your neighborhood next. Like let's do this individually, but do it corporately as well, that we would join together in this. This is why God has given us the body of Christ, that we would be able to encourage each other and come alongside each other and help each other in these things. The third thing that we need to do in preparation is we need to listen. Hebrews 4.12, again, I have this on the screen for you. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We need to listen, and this is two things. You know, Ephesians 6, again, what is our weapon? What's the weapon? What's the sword? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. We, in preparation for a harvest, we need to learn how to listen. We need to work on listening. Listening to his word as it's revealed. But as Hebrews 4 says, it's alive and active, which means that the word is not just words on paper. It's a person. John 1.1 says, Jesus was the word. And so we got to listen to scripture. We need to know scripture. Imagine, imagine if we didn't have the Bible anymore, how much of it would you know? Imagine if all of a sudden persecution rose and somebody came in and stripped all the Bibles and burned them all and we know, don't have a Bible anymore in our personal, in our house, right? That's not there. How much do you know? How much could you memorize? How much do you have memorized? How much would you go, yeah, that's scripture. Yeah, I remember that. Like, let's get to know scripture if you don't already. Let's, let's get to know it. Let's spend time in it because God is going to speak to us through it, but he's also going to speak to us in his, in his voice, with his voice, through scripture and sometimes through our minds, sometimes through dreams, sometimes through circumstances, sometimes through other people, sometimes even through the pastor. Crazy, I know. <laughs> we need to know the word of God and we need to be listening to the word of God. And youth, this is for you too. Two things. One, read the Bible. Get it. Got a Bible? Get it. Start reading it. Like, it doesn't really matter where, but, you know, New Testament probably good to start with. But read it. Start reading it, getting to know it. And I know it's hard. Like, but don't feel guilt. Like, oh, I didn't read. Oh, God hates me now. No, that's not, that's not what this is about. May the Holy Spirit inspire this. May he empower this. Draw you into his word as you prepare. But be intentional about it. I'm going to set aside time. So I'm going to read. But also, I think we need to help our teenagers in this, but... We need to help them to take risks. When they hear 
the voice of the Lord, that we would empower them and encourage them to take that risk to follow what they're hearing. And this listening has to be both personal and corporate. We need to have the word preached. We need to have it taught in our connection groups and whatnot during the week, in our women's Bible studies, our men's Bible studies, our youth group on Wednesday. We need to be corporately gathered together, learning and listening to God's word. But we also need to do it personally. Finally, the fourth thing we need to do in preparation is, is we need to sow. We need to sow the love of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now, this passage again is about uh, generally collection. We're talking financial, right? So it's like Paul's talking about, hey, you know, the Corinthian church. Hey, make sure you, know, you get that get that gift ready. Get the get the financial gift so you can go and bless those in Jerusalem. This kind of thing, right? And and he says this. He says, now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, this has been, uh, this has been translated into, you know, giving, right? Tithing to the church, and, and, and I think that's, that's fine. I mean, that's a good interpretation, but it's more than that. It's more than that. It's not just about finances. It's not just about money. It's more than that. He who sows sparingly is not going to reap a very big harvest, I mean, this is just like, this makes sense, right? Like if you only see, sow, sow one seed, right? You know, well, you're maybe going to get one plant, right? Maybe some fruit that'll come from that. And it'd be a cool harvest. But what if you sowed a hundred seeds, right? Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. How many of us are like, oh, I have to, I don't want to share the love of Jesus again. I mean, come on, seriously. <sighs> God loves a cheerful giver that we'd be sowing with joy. Jesus is the answer to this world. We want to get rid of divisions. It's Jesus. We want to get rid of wars. It's Jesus. We want to see healing. It's Jesus, right? Like, what a great joy it is to sow that gospel love message of Jesus all over the place. Because it's awesome, man. That's great. you got to have this stuff. This is great. It's really fun. I mean, look at how fired up the pastor is. <sighs> Don't you want some of that? <laughs> Maybe somebody a little less would be nice. Maybe not that much. We need to be, here's, here's the principle. I kind of mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but just want to drive it home again. We need, we need to be filled up and we need to be poured out. There was a season in church life in America where, uh, you know, it, it just was the standard and it was just expected and it was just okay for 20% of the church to do 80% of what needed to be done to help the church function and the ministries they're doing and to, to, to make that happen. There, there, there was a time when that was okay. Maybe you still think it's that time. But let me tell you, that time is over. It is over. We have for too long as Christians in America damned up the blessings of God. We've damned them up in ourselves, in our souls, in our hearts. We've hoarded them. We've hung on to them. Like, thank you, God, for this amazing blessing. And then we just hoarded it for ourselves. 
God never gives blessing without wanting us to share it with the world. Doesn't matter what the blessing is. He always gives us blessings that are meant to be poured out. We are to be a, uh, we are to be a, a, a conduit of his blessing, not a, 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 an end point, not a, not a, what's a, what's a good, give me a, give me a good illustration. Oh man. Anyway, we need to let it go, right? We need to let it out. We need, God blesses us. He gives us the gospel. We need to share that. He blesses us by, you know, caring with us or giving us empowerments to do this or that or whatever it may be. We got to share it. You don't hold it back. You don't hoard it. You share it. We are to be sowing the blessings of God everywhere we go with everybody we come in contact with. Are you doing it? We're going to two services next week. We need more people to step up. Now, we've got a church, thank God, it's not 20% that do 80%. We've got, we've got a pretty good percent that do a pretty good percent, but it's not 100% yet. There's not 100% of you who are giving and pouring yourself out in ministry here and ministry out there. There's not. So that means that there's some of you that are still happy with coming to church and getting filled up and then hoarding that blessing. When you come to church on Sunday, when you're in any kind of ministry, whatever it may be, not only are you to be filled up, you're to be poured out. That happens. Otherwise, we get stale. Jesus talks about some lukewarm rotter in Revelation, right? Lukewarm, right? That you get spat out of Jesus' mouth. Why do you get lukewarm? Because you're not allowing the fresh water to continue to flow because you're hoarding his blessings. So we as a church, the 2080 rule is gone. It's done. It's over. We need people to step up. You know, I, I can preach this boldly because I know it wasn't me that decided to go to two services next week. I, I, this is not just, you know, Pastor Sean building his kingdom. This is not just Pastor Sean that came up with this crazy idea. Let's do it. No, no. No, this is God. He affirmed it. It's clearly him. Of all of the message I've given, that's probably the most affirmed message I've ever given. And so as a result, it's him. So I can be bold because I'm being bold in his word, in his life. Like he's calling me to this. He's calling us to this. And so my church, I love you guys. If you're not pouring out on Sunday morning, then please open up your life to it. And you'll find that as you pour out, oh my gosh, the fresh water that comes in will revive you in ways you've never experienced. All right, I'm, I'm long. I'm going to blame it on Joe. <clears throat> Worship team, you can come up as try to close this off. My heart uh, is for all of you. I, I love you guys dearly and understand that I, you know, when I hope you understand and maybe some of you are newer and you don't know me that well yet, but I hope those have been around for a while at least get this, that um, my heart is for you. I don't want you to miss out. Like, I don't want you to miss out on the banquet because the banquet is the best place. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been looking for. Like, how, for how long have some of us prayed that the Holy Spirit would be poured out and that there would be a great revival, that it would happen and that we could be a part of it, that it would happen in my lifetime? Like, well, how many of us have prayed that? My heart is for all of you here. I don't want any of you to miss out on it. And, but also understand this, it's a heart that comes from what I've personally already experienced. 
God is doing something in me that I can't explain. And I know it's not because like all of a sudden I got holy. It's not because all of a sudden, oh, well, now I'm really seeking Jesus. No, he just chose to begin to pour himself out in me in new ways, in ways that I don't understand and I can't believe. And I, so I say that like, follow Jesus. Like, let's go. Like, it's worth it. Like, give up the things. Give up the distractions. Give up the sweet nectar of this world. Jesus is worth it. Young people, same thing. Don't get distracted. Don't, don't fall for the lies of this culture that says it's all about getting, you know, this or that or whatever. Like, no, it's about Jesus. If you have Jesus, you will get all you need. He will provide all you need in every aspect of your life. Trust him in that. Like, we need all to live this way that we would stop being distracted, that we'd say, okay, it's time for a disruption. It's time for us to do something different. It's time for us to begin to really rise up and prepare for the harvest that he's bringing. Because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on one soul that could come into the kingdom because I was distracted, right? They don't come in because I got distracted, right? I I want to be fully engaged. I want to fully see Jesus. I want to always hear Jesus. I want to always know what he's doing. Will you join me in that? Amen? Amen. That we would get to enjoy what he's doing for his will, for his purposes, to build his kingdom. What a great privilege we have to get to join him in the great harvest that he is going to bring in. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, that love you poured into our heart first. Lord, thank you that uh, you do love us and you call us, Lord. You call us to, to follow you wherever it may be, Lord, wherever you decide. And, and so, Lord, I, I thank you that you've been doing a work in us in a special way. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being alive at a season like this, at a time like this, where you've chosen to begin to pour out your Holy Spirit in, in an unusual way, in a way that maybe most generations and most people have not got to experience. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church. Help us to be prepared for the harvest, Lord. Help us to get our eyes on you, Lord. Help us to, to make sure that you're number one. Help us to be praying together and with each other and and praying over our neighborhoods and our friends and our family and our social media accounts. All this, Lord, that we be praying, Lord, but also help us to be listening. Help us to hear your voice, Lord, in, in new and wonderful ways, Lord, as you lead us each day, as you give us the words to speak, Lord, as we understand your scriptures more fully and what what you have for us in that. But also, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be sowers, that even now, Lord, we would begin to sow as well as preparing for the, re- for the reaping of this harvest, Lord. That we would be willing to pour out the blessings that we've received. That you, again, would get all the glory and that we could be able to enjoy more fully all that you have for us. And that, Lord, that, uh, yeah, this little church out on 299 East, Lord, we, uh, <laughs> that we would get to just enjoy the building of your kingdom in a way that most small churches don't get to. Not because we're great, but just because we're willing, we're open, and you've chosen us out of your goodness, out of your love, out of your amazing grace. Lord, come and have your way among us. Matthew 24, verse 36 and following, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, 
and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in a field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left this house and let it be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour we do not expect. In Jesus' name. Amen.